guards have, or after the, 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 the miracle has been performed, the priest will turn to the three of you and introduce himself. Says, uh, welcome to our, our church. I am Brother Istvan. Uh, you are welcome here until the storm passes. I know that it is, is quite unpleasant outside, and we have a tradition of welcoming travelers. If you need anything, please inquire with me or with uh, Henrika, uh, our, our parish keeper. I... What, what, what brings you to town? Actually, uh, we are delivering a package. Hmm. Suitably vague. Excellent. Um. Okay. Well, I I am. <laughs> I am. I am sorry that you your travels brought you here. In this weather, um, please make yourself comfortable. Uh, we will be bringing out food shortly for those who have taken shelter here. You are welcome to partake. And with that, if you don't have anything you want to say to him, he will excuse himself. Um, do we want to ask him about the obviously culty activity, or do we just want to like you know let that one go? I like to ask him who this church is dedicated to or a temple whatever you want to call it oh okay um ah yes you uh you want so yeah you're elf you're elven right or half elven or something like yes yeah. i i'm technically elven but flavor yeah we went with half elven because you rolled so low on your physical beauty i remember no yeah um so you ask him this question and he sort of looks you up and down and he smiles, sort of a a coy smile, right? Coy, coy but still completely earnest. Um, this person does not, to any appearance, have a deceptive intent here. Um, he, he says, oh, well, we are... Uh, this church is dedicated to the mother of the harvest moon. Uh, we are one of few remaining uh, places of worship in these lands. And so you, an elf, that tickles something in your brain. That, that, that term. Mother of the Harvest Moon tickles something in your brain, but I don't know how old you are as a character. Um, and I don't know how, like, dialed in you are to elven culture writ large. So I don't know whether it's going to be a useful detail for you. Um, I sort of pictured Elvira's you know, like a in human equivalents, like late teens, early twenties kind of time frame. So maybe in the seventy. I don't know how long do elves live in Palladium. Really fucking long. Okay. So yeah, he would still be considered fairly young for an elf. Okay. Um. And yeah, yeah I imagine he didn't have a long involved 
childhood with around elder elves probably was moved in with moved or you know living with humans more than that okay um so here's a question for you you're a soldier warrior type right yes are you would would elamir fancy himself to be a like military historian is that a the sort of thing that he would have been interested at any point I don't think so. Okay. Okay. It's possible use, yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't think he was involved in the military by choice, okay. which is why he got out of it that as fast sense. as he could. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. In that case, then you feel like there's something there, and there's clearly like a reason he would say it to you in this way, but you don't the the details escape you, right? Okay. Um. Anybody else have anything they want to say to this dude before he? Because he's he's very clearly like offering you hospitality here, but he's got stuff he's got to do. So if nobody's going to stop him, he's going to turn and he's going to go do that stuff. I mean, I can read. Um. Mm-hmm. And like, this seems like the sort of place that I'd want to get. Like, this seems like the true power in the town right like this seems like so like getting information about who's actually in charge and how things work around here Mm -hmm. that that sounds like the sort of thing that i'd like to know about and that sounds seems like the sort of thing that would fall into espionage okay okay um well what what language before we before we dip into espionage what languages do you know how to read uh I am literate, and I have Elven, Wolven, and Human on my sheet. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. If you are literate in Elven, and this might apply to uh, Elamir as well. If you're literate in Elven, there's Elven... There are reading materials of various stripes in Elven around this place. There's also some that are in, like... I guess we're in the southern human areas so if you if you know how to read southern or some sort of human language you could probably also uh read some things but it's going to be like the difference between like latin and the vulgate in uh uh less than modern i guess at this point church right like there's gonna this elven is the latin equivalent here right so there are going to be hangings with like like tapestries with elven writing on them. There are um, the equivalent of hymnals with some elven and some more human text in them. So there's a lot of stuff here to read if that's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd like to get a little bit of information about kind of like skim it or like, yeah, try to, I, I, I want to get some... Yeah, I want to know about this elf, harvest elf. Okay. God. Yeah, so, um, well, let's, let's, I'll set the scene this way. There's, there's, there's an altar, like a fairly normal, like, like, church slash temple altar that's at the front of this, a furthest from the, further from the door that you came in, in this big meeting hall. And behind that, there is a giant tapestry 
that's clearly fairly old. It's been well cared for, but it's old. Um, and you can't, some parts of it faded pretty bad. Some of it's a little bit ragged, but those of you that can read, can read some of this and I'll, I'll sort of describe what it looks like now that you're looking around for stuff. And this, uh, this is hanging above the altar. There's a big mural of a, at the very top, there is a crescent moon in sort of a golden yellow color with a fully black circle behind it. Immediately under that, there is a big tree, like a really big tree um, with, a, with bare branches. And those branches have what looks to be snow on them. And trailing from those branches on this tapestry, tapestry are the, the artwork of ribbons that have on them elven writing. And those el the elven writing, taken as a whole, um, tells a story about... It tells a story that most people would recognize a little bit of. Because it's about a very, very, very old war. On this world, a really long time ago. We're talking millennia ago. The elves and dwarves spent like... 2,000 years trying to kill each other. trying to Each of them trying to wipe... They were the two dominant civilizations at the time, and they spent about 2,000 years trying to wipe each other off the face of the Earth, the planet, right? And they did all sorts of really horrible shit to do it. Uh, we're talking like m magical weapons of mass destruction, right? Magical war crime stuff. And during that time, there were a number of elven deities that were really important because of what they offered to people, specifically in terms of being able to fight, being able to take vengeance, being able to protect people. And then when that war ended and everybody decided it was a terrible idea they should all put behind them, those deities fell out of favor. And these ribbons that are hanging from this tree tapestry tell that story. They tell the story of two elven deities, a husband and wife that went from being sort of a carefree hearth and home style pairing to being the god, uh, the gods of of vengeance against uh, against genocide, essentially, at the hands of the dwarves. And then essentially disappearing. And at the base of the tree, on the tapestry, there is a an embroidered gate just built into the... Again, it's a tapestry, so there's it's like sewn into the fabric of the tapestry. There's the sewn impression of a gate, and then around the the gate, it is embroidered in elven, winter sealed, war ended. Now, while you're examining this tapestry, uh, 
the guards people are taking an interest in your interest in the tapestry. So you've attracted some attention. Before we get to that, do you have any questions about what I just told you? Because it was a whole lot of exposition all at once. Not at this time. Okay. Um, I, I might need to phone a friend. Absolutely. For, at some point. Absolutely. We can come back to that. That's not a problem. That is not a problem. Anybody else have a question they want to ask me before we get to the next part? Okay. So while we were all staring at the tree, or at the at the mural of the tree, um, the guards people have... And you are essentially in here with the guards people, right? Um, the helper person has left with the package. Ilsa has left with... Uh, Ilsa's nowhere to be seen, I guess. And the priest has headed out, uh, Brother Isvan is headed out to do whatever he was going to do. But the four guards people are still there, and they are sort of arrayed behind you. They're not threatening, but they are definitely watching you read the tapestry. And kind of waiting for you to finish. Which one of you turns around first? I mean, if I do it, I'm going to say something stupid, so... <laughs> All right. And so I turn around like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a line. Um, the, the, the guy you blinded is sort of standing two arms lengths away from you. Uh, helmet's still off. His eyes are like bloodshot. Um, and he looks you in the eye from that distance and says, you can read that. You can read the words of the agents. Um, I would like to use my telepathy <laughs> <laughs> and figure out what I'm about to step in. Okay. All right. So you are hitting him with some telepathy. Well, he's got his going to have his guard up, so he's definitely going to attempt to save against that. He does not. Okay. Um. So his immediate service thoughts are not hostile to you. Um, they are curious. They are, he's still in some amount of pain. Um, but he's not, he's not thinking about hurting you and he's not thinking about deceiving you right now. He is genuinely curious if you can read that and what's going to happen next. I mean, I'm all all writing is meant to be read, right? I'm, I'm kind of like trying to prompt a like, did I just commit blasphemy by reading a thing? Question. Okay, um, it's not. I mean, he 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 sort of chuckles a little, like not like, haha, that was funny, but like, oh, huh, yeah. Um, yes, that is, it is simply unusual that that can be read. It is rare here in the village, the person that can read those words. They tell the story of why this place is. 
and he sort of takes a short step forward. Not necessarily at you, but like in the direction you're standing. All right, I move aside so that we can look at this beautiful mural together. Okay. Um, and he uh, moves up even with you like relative to the mural. And one of the other guards people is like uncomfortable enough that they're like trying to talk him out of this. Like they're cajoling and no, you can't, no, stop. This is not for outsiders. And this guy like raises his hands and acknowledges, but also silences them at the same time. Right. Uh, and he turns, he makes eye contact with you again, Doc, and he turns back towards the, the mural. He says, they built this place a very, very, very long time ago. Back when humans were still coming out of the jungles. Back before the Empire was anything like it is today. And they built it as a weapon. We need your help. And he, he and this, and when he says that, he turns directly towards um, Elamir, but he's addressing the three of you. We, and he sort of motions with his hand to encompass all the people standing in the room, but also you get the sense like. In a larger sense, everyone in the village says, we are stuck here guarding this weapon. And we watch the same cycle play out over and over and over again. And our grandparents and our parents and our children and their grandchildren will watch the same cycle play out. We need your help. We need to break this cycle. Will you help us? Yeah. That... He's like looking directly at Elamir at this point. Pleading. What is this cycle and how does one break it? Every year there is a sacrifice. We spend the blood of a god to banish the winter. If we prevent that sacrifice, then we can be free. We can end the cycle. Does, I'm talking on our internal brain slack channel. Does anybody have any idea what the fuck this guy's talking about? Like from a religious standpoint or like a theory standpoint? Clearly they think that they need to stab someone with the dagger that we just brought to this church. Probably the person that we also brought back to the town in order to make this unseasonably cold weather go away. Wait. Yeah. See, when he says break the cycle, I think he means the cycle where we don't all freeze to death. Well, you all freeze to death. I don't know if I can freeze to death anymore. But, oh, also, Lost Forgotten Gods are totally a thing. Okay, but, like, the thing where people freeze to death, that's that's. I'm nonsense, just guessing at that. Right. 
he's talking no, no, about breaking the cycle. And, like, the cycle is uh, summer comes next, which I think is probably better than no summer. I don't know. Right, but, like, I'm not, I'm not clued in on the whole this god curse thing. Like, is that... Is this feasible, right? Or is this just, like, some superstitious locals stabbing people so that the sun will come back after an eclipse? Uh, there are totally gods you people don't know anything about. Um, yeah, do we have... What are, what are our collection of knowledge skills in the party? Nope. <laughs> I don't think any of us took knowledge skills. Good old lore. I know about demons and fairies. I took not. I have lore, ley lines, lore, magic, and lore religion. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Check you out, pal. Stand corrected. All right. All right, Doc. You're actually earning that PhD right now, huh? Um, I have a PhD in espionage <laughs> and shooting people with my mind gun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hit me with either lore, magic, or lore religion. And I will tailor your answer. Wow. Ooh. That was a successful roll, even. Congratulations. Uh, Go, Mike. All right, so lore religion. Um, so you're starting to put some pieces together now, Doc. Um, that person that you brought back from the the wolf attack site, right? That's clearly so important to these people. Um, that I believe we've already discussed that you whose mind you couldn't read. And instead got like a blast of white light, right? That person may have been divine on some level. That all that all checks out. All of that checks out, right? Um, that person was also fairly elfy in appearance, if you'll recall. Um, and with your successful religion role, you've got a line on what this place or who this place is. Um, I'm not going to give you all of the details, but the broad strokes are sort of what I told, like I said earlier, about the the harvest gods that turned into vengeance gods, and then the elves uh, during the the millennium of purification, which is not as bad as it sounds like, uh, where they spent a bunch of time going around and deactivating all of their weird magical WMDs. Um just abandoned this place is a church to elander let me make sure i'm getting that correctly um make sure i have the name of the the god specifically before i give it to you again where did i write this down i know i wrote this down somewhere i will continue stalling for time but um Yes, the what the person you picked up is very likely a godling or something. Not powerful enough to be like a god god yet, but like clearly of divine origin and blood. Elandris. Elandris is the god that I'm thinking of. Um, an elven god of the Crescent Harvest Moon. And, or elven goddess of the Crescent Harvest Moon. <laughs> And, um, when they talk about blood sacrifice and the banishment of winter, um, give me a, ma a, a lore magic roll. And, uh, 
Grandma's sick. Give me a lore demon or fairy roll. This <laughs> this might fit that. We'll see. We'll see how our, our... I'll be amused if it, like religion's actually just demonology for me. <laughs> it's it's all a matter of perspective, really. Seriously. Stupid humans. Okay, okay. Oh my what? god! Look at you go! <laughs> you people know everything. Great. We can just do we can just do the whole exposition drop right now. Cliff notes. So <laughs> um so uh with your lore magic role, uh Mike or or Doc, Doc Armstrong. Um it occurs to you that uh in this setting uh by this rule set uh, this this is the rule set that uh, at one point I was talking about how many how many orphans a given spell costs, right? Ooh, um, because blood sacrifice is a pretty good way of getting magical energy, like a lot of magical energy, and uh, yeah, if you could like do that with a god, it'd probably be a whole lot of magical energy, right? Enough to do something completely buckwild, like super buckwild. Even if you don't really know what you're doing, if you have a lot of magical energy to throw around, you can accomplish some pretty pretty wild things. Uh, thick, Grandma Thick. Yo. Your uh, demonology role. Um, when they say banishing winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's these, uh, outer beings called the Great Old Ones. Oh, those assholes. Uh, they were pretty bad news. Uh, a long time back in the day, uh, various peoples, um, some of them, uh, your patrons, in fact, yep. worked real hard to be like, no, go away, um, and, um, trap them somewhere beyond the walls of reality. Right. Um. So when when you when you hear the phrase "banish the winter," yeah, you could take it a couple of different ways. And one of them is just like, "Oh, this is just like a a weird, vicious solstice ritual, right?" Yeah. And the other one's like, "Oh, this might keep Cthulites at bay." Yeah. Because, like, the cycle is them not being here and, you know, fucking up everybody. Yeah, maybe, just maybe. Um, also, since we rolled three successful lore checks in a roll, I'll give you a freebie here. Um, like I said, during that, like, millennia where the elves and dwarves were trying to wipe each other off the face of the planet, um, they did some deeply fucked up shit. And um, the idea of just a dead man switch that was going to unleash a great old one in the event that one side lost. Oh shit. Is not inconceivable. Uh, also you're currently standing in what was at one point dwarven territory way back in the day. So yeah, just some food for thought. <sighs> Food for thought. Freaking people. So yes, burning the world just because you lose. Short little fuckers. Yes. 
Um, so all of this is like, you're putting all of this together. I assume you're doing it over like the brain IRC channel, right? You're not like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can see you putting these pieces together. Like they, they know. And like the, the guardsman is like throwing out his version of this exposition but it's not like the parts that the pieces that you're putting together are like two or three steps ahead of him. He sees a very, he has a very clear vision of like the problem for him and his right here, right now. Well, right. But the thing that he's forgetting or that I don't know if he cares about, right? Like the cycle that he's talking about, if he breaks it, like that spells the end for everything. It's not really just his get out of jail free card. Yeah, so the end of everything might be an overstatement, but it would probably be a really big deal. Like, last time we lost a few gods. (laughs) Yeah, like putting these things back in the hole, or putting one of these things back in the hole would be a huge problem. Right? So, yes. The the last early they were they were, they predate gods and were killing them if they got to like that they didn't realize their place for a long time. Sort of as a sidebar, the forces that Grandma Thick is serving, their whole deal was we're going to take as many people as we can and hide them away so they don't get killed by these things while the people who are fighting them fight them. Hey, Grandma Thick wants us to protect. Or Grandma Thick wants to protect Lady who is going to stab the old the elf guy, right? Well Yeah. That sounds like you. I'm not gonna lie, Grandma Thick's probably coming up on a couple of like conflicting <laughs> conflicting orders. Um because uh when it comes to like innocence and children that that person you brought up from the wolf attack site is just about as innocent and childlike as they come. Ah, oh, crap. So, yeah. Um, so, as you sort of, as you come out of your reverie, the, 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 uh, guardsmen are looking at you expectantly. Essentially, still asking you with their like facial expressions, like, please help us, please help us. That's incredibly shitty situation you've got here, and you know we're definitely gonna try to figure out what we can do. Oh, thank, thank you, thank you. Um, then we must we we have some time. They must prepare the ritual site. But we need to get to the the under tree shrine immediately. Um, and he starts like putting his helmet back on and strapping up, and everybody grabs their their tools. And once they've sort of strapped all the way up and are pretty sure you're going to follow them, they leave out the door that the uh, the helper person took the package and the. And previously, the, the 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 unconscious figure, sort of out the back door of the 
the the central church room. Uh, are you following? Um, I, I think we probably need to convene the minds to discuss, right? Like, huh? what our next move is. Go ahead. I mean, for sure, I think we need to go with them. I mean, yeah, just so we have the option of murdering them all if they actually try and do that. Yeah. Maybe. Mm, confused. I think we, we definitely need to have this ritual complete. But if there's a way we can do it without stabbing, that'd be nice. But I don't know where we're going to have a surplus of magical power to do this otherwise. Be clear, stabbing uh, innocent people. Stabbing assholes yes. is fine. But uh, stabbing, stabbing not innocent people isn't very uh, beneficial normally for magic power, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you're not a wizard, so you might not know. But like, yeah, no, just just any yeah. jerk. Yeah. They're, 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 they're Potential psychic energy, the magic points that fall out of them double upon death. Everyone's do. So. Alright. Well, yes, if we if we've decided we need to be there, then they are they are they are determined to go. So they are getting ready to head out. They are also pretty sure that they're gonna die if you're not right behind them. So Although it sounds like they might die if you are right behind them. We'll see. Uh, uh, does anybody know magic mental conversions? How many are four kind of insane guards worth as far as gods? <laughs> well, actually, uh, I can probably check. Did I write down? Did I write down this particular value on these people? Um, I did not. The average human. Has about one d six. So if we if we assume that they're all roughly average and they can average them together, all together that's going to be about fourteen PPE. Mm-hmm. Um, doubled at death is twenty eight, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, if we want to check really quick, uh, a spell that. Turns you invisible for three minutes is worth about 20 PPE. Hmm. So maybe not like pre-God Cthulhu Titan ceiling numbers you're putting up there. The other problem being that they're probably going to want to do this ritual again next year. And then the next year. And then the next year after that. Yeah, the four schmucks well, presumably, here. Presumably, like they've got a sub- fresh supply of gods from somewhere. Yeah, that's a good question, right? Because if they're doing this on a regular basis, it turns out there might have been a whole other part of this place that you were going to in- experience had certain people not gotten pulled the instant they showed up on screen. <laughs> <laughs> not saying it would have made more sense, but there was more there. So yeah, um, we can actually, I think everybody's starting to get a little draggy and that's fine. We're sick. We're tired. We can call it here and you guys can determine what our next move is after that. Next time, Sunday. Yeah, because I'm so tired. 
Dude, yeah. you sound really rough, yeah. and you like literally have COVID, bro. It's fine. You yeah. you trooped real hard, so we appreciate it for sure. All right. Well, with that, we'll we'll call it good for tonight. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thank you to our editors for hopefully making me make some sense at some point tonight. Um, and we will catch you all the next time around. Thank you and good night. That D&D podcast is released under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Feel free to share with friends, but don't cut anything out and don't sell our work. Please visit us at thatdndpodcast.com or on Twitch or YouTube at That D&D Podcast. Intro music is Dark Matter by M33 Project and is available on the Free Music Archive. M33 Project can also be found on YouTube and Instagram. Outro music is Betrayed by Scott Holmes Music. This and other works by Scott Holmes Music can be found on the Free Music Archive, SoundCloud, or scottholmesmusic.com. The Palladium Fantasy RPG, written by Kevin Ciambietta, is owned and published by Palladium Books. All other copyrighted content is owned by its associated copyright holder. Mm-hmm.